This is the Voicing Creativity Podcast, Voicing Creative Research. I'm Shannon Vickers, professor in the Faculty of Arts at the University of Winnipeg, where I teach somatic approaches to voice and performance and engage in interdisciplinary arts-based research. This first season of the Voicing Creativity Podcast focuses on voicing creative research. Each episode showcases the prolific and inspiring work of some of Canada's leaders across the humanities, highlighting their creativity in research, pedagogy, and artistic practice. Today's episode continues our conversation with Lisa Karen Cox. If I can, I'd love to um, highlight one of your more recent um, artistic contributions that I so so grateful that I was able to see, even though I'm far away from you. Um, <laughs> and this was in the spring of 2022, and I I just can't wait to hear a little bit more about this. It was the 1851 project, Spirit and Voice, and it was really awesome. I'll just um, share that the project was described as an online theatrical experience revisiting the 1851 North American Convention of Colored Freemen, where past and present collided. Historical figures met present-day people and grappled with the way history has been written, as well as issues that affect Black lives today. And one of the things you said in some of the press was we're very, in some ways, lucky in 2022 because we do have these elders we can reach back to and stand on their shoulders, even if they're not with us. And this is a way to bring that to light. But how can we do that with joy? How can we talk about racism and be joyful simultaneously? How can we skate that line of, oh, I laughed at that. Should I have laughed at that? How do we promote reflection through humor? I wondered if you could speak a bit more about the project and the amazing contributors that did such fabulous work. It was phenomenal. Oh, goodness. Thank you. I mean, I will start by saying, um, I mean, post George Floyd, I've done a lot of work uh, centering blackness. Um, I would say, Afro-Canadian-ness specifically. I'm not sure anymore if I I believe in this umbrella term of blackness because there are black people all over the globe. <laughs> and um, it feels a bit monolithic to have a single label on that, uh, especially as Canadians who consume a lot of American media and a lot of American performance. So we associate blackness with actually American blackness. And there are some distinguishing features (laughs) between those of us of a, um, based in Canada versus based in the U S um, And in the past, a lot of American, or a lot of, sorry, in the past, a lot of Black performance, whether American or otherwise, has focused rightfully on the pain, the suffering, the trauma that has taken place within our racial lineage specifically the transatlantic slave trade and all of the ramifications that we continue to contend with to this day and that is very um traumatizing (laughs) reflected a lot about um all the videos that came now that we have the phone and everyone has been recording their experiences of racism including George Floyd's murder that in itself has been a source of trauma Mm -hmm. to witness people who look like you being treated um, as less than human Mm -hmm. so as we continue to fight 
to persevere, to celebrate ourselves, it became a question for me personally around how can I still have joy? Because when when you do the work that I do, which is centering, you know, blackness or Afrocentricity or uh, Afro-Canadianness, it can be very depressing. <laughs> it can be very, very depressing. And I just wanted joy. I want joy. <laughs> Part of being human is joy. Joy and humor and pleasure deliciousness. I wanted some of that. So it became a quest. And luckily, the brilliant Luke Reese, shout out to Luke Reese. So brilliant. So brilliant. uh, Who was the playwright on 1851, had a similar desire, had a similar quirkiness in terms of sense of humor. (laughs) I don't think I've laughed so much on a project before. So much joy, so much joy, so much joy. Um, And like created this awesome piece, which does look at the convention and like how we're standing on the shoulders of our elders, literally, and interacting with our elders and our ancestors, even if we don't know them, um, because they're in the ether, they're in the zeitgeist. And I would argue that they're also in our bodies as part of our archive. Um, And but we didn't want it to be trauma-inducing. <laughs> we just wanted a lot of joy. So it's funny. The piece is funny. And it makes you, I hope it makes people laugh. I can read in the chat that it makes people laugh because they write in the chat <laughs> what their responses are, which has been amazing. And we had a lot of joy putting it together. It was a cast of incredible actors, yes. really joy-filled actors. Um And I feel like it was just such a pleasure and a privilege to be in dialogue and in conversation with all of those artists in a joy-filled way on a subject that is generally treated um, kind of with very a lot of hesitation and tentatively. And it's not that we didn't take a lot of care. There was tons of care in the piece but it does explicitly walk, walk a fine line um, because that fine line also is a form of learning and can call people out a little bit as they question whether or not they should be laughing <laughs> at moments. <laughs> um, yeah, I reflect upon that piece with uh, such joy. It was so amazingly well done and I loved that it had so much research historical research and scholarship embedded in it um I believe Dr. Natasha Henry had um some uh research contributions for it and you also had Dr. Naila Kalita May who delivered an amazing keynote um and so it it really felt like we went back in time at certain times, but that we were also in the present and we were engaging with our artistry, but also with scholarship and scholarship. research. Yeah. Um, and so would you say that I'm, I'm just so curious, did Luke write all of that or did he have a sort of framework and then was it collaborative with these incredible scholars and the other artists that were part of it? Um, I was remarking also on the sort of, um, the little vignettes that were promo um, and some of them felt so alive. I thought this can't be scripted. This has got to be somewhat improvised as well because they were just, they were so dynamic and they felt really uh, like a mesh between the historical character and the artist's personality. (laughs) You know, I I laughed watching those little previews before the, the, the thing even started earlier in the day and I just couldn't wait you know they they wet my appetite so to speak so please tell me everything please I mean Luke did a lot of writing obviously he's he's the playwright and uh with Natasha Henry as well um from the Ontario Black History Society who supported the historical research um and kind of 
looked over the script to make sure it was historically accurate. Even though we, we did fictionalize some things, the big ticket items are real historical events. That was in some ways the original mandate from Myzeum was to take the St. Lawrence Center. (laughs) What are the major events that have happened here and how do we bring those to life? Fascinating. Yeah. The 1851 North American Convention of Colored Freemen was the event that we wanted to bring to life. And Luke and I were brought on kind of after some of the structure of of the event I, aka like myzeum approached soul pepper they wanted to do this thing related to 1851 and then through how do we find playwrights and directors eventually they got to luke and i uh, eventually they got to luke i'll be honest and luke uh reached out to me to direct it um and he was in conversation with Natasha Henry on the historical front. Um, and Luke did write all of those uh, vignettes, if you will, or like monologues that the characters mm. did to, to whet your appetite. Um, but my directing style is similar to my pedagogy in that I ask a lot of questions. I do a lot of listening. I really encourage people to bring their whole selves to the character so that it's the character meeting the human, meeting the love, actor. Love that. Um, and because I think that's what makes things alive (laughs) and Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, and so I think that's what you really see in those vignettes. We did give them a bit of space, not to ad lib because they're actually on teleprompters for those. Interesting. But to like, if you want to breathe here, if you want to take a laugh here, if you want to, what is your personal response to not like what is you as the actor playing the character what do you think that character's response is to what the things that you're saying (laughs) which is i think what gives it that humanity to it and liveness to it you just reminded me can i just interject for a moment and say i i actually had one of those ha kind of laughs with amaka ume she had a moment where she's her character um (laughs) <laughs> is speaking about uh, some of her major accomplishments. And she, what was the tagline? There was some sort of fin- final statement she says where she sort of says, take that. And I I howled in my um, office. It was so, I felt like I was at the theater. I have to say, Lisa, Yay. it felt like I was at the theater for the first time in years. So thank you. Oh. Uh, it felt great You're to kind welcome. of have a, woo! So yeah that was all scripted my god the playwriting all is scripted. So, and the, the directing script- oh no it's the playwright the playwright is brilliant and the and the actors are brilliant but uh, like which makes directing easier because <laughs> you're like oh that take before you did this really this thing that was hilarious can you just bring that back like that's that's really all you're doing <laughs> as the director um at, at least in this context because it's like i've already shaped it you're brilliant you're brilliant amazing i'm just here to guide it and be the outside eye that's it that's it um yeah i don't know and then we had byron byron wong uh who was doing the filmic design on it and film direction on it and his whole team was awesome to work with you know they're they're film and tv and documentary people working with these theater people and and as as you know i am a big personality so (laughs) film is very serious very serious it can be like on set serious serious business camera Mm. the tech the technology is expensive and like time is money and i just straight up Mm -hmm. with them was like okay yes i get it time is money blah 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 i'm like (laughs) this piece is about joy okay let's be clear so if we need to stop and have a laugh we're going to do that and i don't want to hear anything about it okay cool 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 cool. (laughs) (laughs) because it it, it impacts the work ultimately the work was so fantastic yeah yeah and i i wanted to it was really important to me that we keep the space playful 
Mm. Even with these big expensive cameras and lights Mm. and all these people running around, how do we stay playful and loose, loose in our bodies? Yes, you did that take. Yeah, do it again. Play around, like change it up. That's cool. So that we have a variety of things. Definitely was playful. That's for sure. You know, I'll link to the, I found the four vignettes on YouTube. So we'll link to those. Um, Beautiful. I love that one gentleman as he sort of dances back. <laughs> that was. <laughs> Darren so- Hibbert is like off the charts. Such a phenomenal actor. Everyone hire him more. Yes. And like for the spirits, because you're linking to the vignettes of the the spirits, the ancestors. Mm-hmm. What was really important for me uh, as a director was I reminded them that a spirit wouldn't know what a frame is. So when you're on camera, you you know that you're in this little box. And so you 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 try and stay within your little box. But I said to the the people playing the spirits and the ancestors, I'm like, you don't know that. You just see this camera thing looking at you. You have no concept of framing. So be free. Just be free. Like it should be bigger than then our two hosts um, who are played by uh, Emma Jade and Cameron Grant. Um, but it should be, it should be bigger than any of the motion they're doing because the contemporary folks recognize that they're in a square. They have phones, they use them in the show and they are going to stay in their frame. I'm like, you guys can just have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> they were fabulous as well. Yeah. Can, can we still access the 1851 project somewhere to link it's going to, to it's going to have a life on the museum website oh, okay too yeah and Wonderful. go back to you and we're trying to get some of the the chat so you'll still feel a bit live in it which will Wonderful. be great mm-hmm. that was such a pleasure thank you so much for uh indulging me in my questions <laughs> it was absolutely absolutely such a fabulous production um I happen to also do a little bit of research on you. I hope that's not weird. As I was sort of looking up some of your uh, other contributions amongst the many that you've done. Um, And I have a couple of quotes. I love quotes. Okay. Um, One of the things that you said in a Toronto Metropolitan University Spotlight article, Mm. uh, and I, I would kind of say this is maybe about creativity amongst so many other things, is you say, we can throw our ego to the wall a bit. So we're free and playful and open. That's how we should approach all of our work. Interesting that you just sort of brought this up in relation to that fantastic piece of art. Um, tell me a bit more about that, that we can throw our ego to the wall so that we're free, playful, and open. And that's how we should approach all of our work. Just love that. I, I think we get stuck in ego. We get stuck in the image of ourselves and what we think we should be. Um, as opposed to just let like close that, like let that go. We know that all exist. We all have that. It exists for all of us. But can we quiet that down and just be and be st- like? I use the word stupid. <laughs> um, but can we just be silly and ridiculous and like not concern ourselves around um what that looks like? that we can be playful in the work so we can be ridiculous in the work because in the reality of life when we're in IRL high stake situations we are silly we are ridiculous we are um stupid (laughs) sometimes and I mean that in the most generous generous and beautiful way in the clown sense of the word Mm -hmm. we're we're not always engaged in our logical prefrontal cortex and doing everything right like an automaton we we like get it wrong sometimes and that's funny and that's beautiful and that actually can lead to some beautiful things that's okay (laughs) so can we open ourselves up to that possibility by being released from our ego to just play and be our unique silly selves (laughs) that's the beauty that for me is the beauty like ego's gone just like responding from my truth that to me is gorgeous performance 
<laughs> taught to me by my kindergarten students who yeah. I miss deeply. <laughs> I was just thinking about what you said earlier about this sort of, you know, before the age of grade five, how you witnessed this unbridled oh. openness and playfulness and, oh. you know, authenticity. And I'm going to guess that something happens at that tween time. Would you say that that's where this sort of January of grade five. January. January, oh, no. February of grade five. Oh. Look out, parents. <laughs> oh. What? Yep. What do you witness? Is it? Well, is did... it? Is it a social thing that that kids start to um, impose on each other a bit of meanness, and that that then shuts down this open freeness of vulnerability and heart and creativity or is it something that you you you've witnessed as more internal that students think oh now i have to be an adult i'm going to box that part of myself away mm -hmm. put it away forever like what is it from your mm -hmm. point of view you know not like acknowledging that i'm not a developmental psychologist <laughs> um what I witnessed is, is a bit of all of those things converging at that moment of oh. uh, a desire to fit in. Yes. A, a, a reduced ability to forgive, mm. which means the pressure to fit in is higher. Mm. A reduced ability to get over things and to not lure it over uh, others, mm. which increases the desire for belonging and to fit in and to not step out of line. Oh, geez. Um, yeah. And that just make everyone just gets their, their jacket, their armor on mm -hmm. and their shield and their persona on and a desire to find uh the subsection because they're all in grades they're all in grade five but are you in band are you an athlete are you do you know what i mean you start to categorize and limit students in a particular way and they kind of limit themselves as well as the, as because they are a small community and so people are trying to figure out well which which of these categories am i and therefore narrowing who they are uh fit into that thing as opposed to prior to that like I watch my daughter's seven she's like awesome <laughs> I'm, I'm totally biased I think my kids are awesome but she of course is, they are yeah of course they are they're amazing but she will be in her like super puffy tutu skirt while playing soccer and then go to drum class and then ride her bike and then do a beautiful painting. Like there's no limitation. She's just like, I am all of these things. Yes. I get to be all of it. There's no capping. <laughs> I love there's that. no, you know, trying to minimize who you are at that age. It's just all of them are big even the quiet ones the the ones who are uh, introverts are still big in a certain way they're big in their quietness if that makes sense they, they're just dedicated to who they are it's and and they're okay with it i'm reminded of um i think it was einstein that said that every child is an artist oh, yes but it's remaining an artist as we grow up that's the challenge that's a paraphrased yes. version of that quote but it seems to me that in the work that you do both as a creative artist and as a teacher you are guiding people back to connecting fully with their entire body yeah. archive of imagination and artistry and possibility mm -hmm. don't what tell are... anybody but there are days where i do my kindergarten warm-up with university students yes and it's because we actually are doing the same thing. For them, I'm trying to get their sillies out <laughs> oh. so they can go back and do literacy and math and science and those things. Like, let's get those sillies out. But it's it's about connecting them and giving them space to be silly. And, and also, and to play, absolutely. And it's the same thing at the university level. I want you to connect with your silly 
and to like connect with your body and to be playful and to like respond to what your body needs. It's the same thing. (laughs) The objective is the same for different reasons, but the objective is the same, at least in my room. To connect, to be silly, to be playful, to be responsive. Let's do it. I love that. I hope it's okay, but we are going to tell some people about that. Unless, oh, no. unless you want to cut that out of the podcast. Totally. No, 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 no. Sorry. I totally have to like if you're okay with it. I want to know what this warm up looks like. What the, if you're? I mean, it's not. Okay with that. Totally, totally. It's not. Um, it's not anything that outrageous, to be honest. It just. It's about making a lot of strange sounds. It's about going into cat cow. It's yeah. about opening the back, but like mm. kind of being unabashed and to a certain extent wild, if you will, about it. Um, it's about shaking out different limbs of the body. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's everything we do as quote, professional artists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. But and I guess because I came to teaching slightly after I was a professional actor first, professional actor first, then went back to did teachers college, and then was teaching drama. And so I just would do I literally would do my warm up with the kindergartens. (laughs) How awesome! And they liked it. Yeah, and I was like, this totally fits into the curriculum because I am a bit nerdy. So I was like, oh, I have to make sure it works. I'm like, it does. It fits into the curriculum. We're, we're doing all the things we're supposed to do. So great. And they're so good at it. I'd be like, oh, yeah, right. Oh, I'm gonna. Oh, that's good over there. Oh, look at how that spine is just like fluid. <laughs> okay. Oh, that sound was amazing. Okay, great. <laughs> I get to replicate that one. Okay, amazing. Yeah, so good. They were Lucky so students. good. Lucky me. <laughs> I, I literally became a way better actor way better actor once I became a teacher because I was interacting on a daily basis six and a half hours a day with kids in a performance space it took I think like three weeks for them to take the tables out of my room but I got my way eventually hey awesome and so just have an open space for us to just move Mm. I learned so much about what is possible in the body once you find that sense of freedom Ugh. by being a teacher I love and that. being in space with those students they're incredible they gave me they empowered me really to feel like i could be free and playful and silly and responsive because I don't know, I was always like, oh, what are people going to think? This is so embarrassing. And blah. I'm like, oh, they actually love me more. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm silly and ridiculous with them, when I'm in joy with them, they love me more. And I feel better about myself and about who I am because I'm not putting a cap on it. I'm just openly being, which is a vulnerable act. But to be caught and held and loved in return yeah you can't to like leap and dare you can't be caught unless you leap and dare (laughs) right absolutely I think we need more play in society we need more play everywhere you know more play in education 100 percent. more play And, and what we even see as play can be expanded because you know I have forms that I teach in uh in my movement classes and I'm like trying to I think you need a bit of st- structure or I feel that the students need a bit of, of structure to wrap their heads around the play but then how can you still be responsive and playful with your body oh my body needs to stretch here oh yeah like can you just get into that <laughs> still be playful even if you're in a form you can still extend even if you're in a form just like we have a script that's that's our container but how can i push up against the container and stretch it Uh, as much as possible in a playful way if there are any young people listening to this they are going to be lining up to take those courses (laughs) i'm sort of thinking can i afford something 
person pop in. Absolutely. It's meant for all ages. Oh, seriously, that sounds very freeing and really fun and joyful. That's the goal. That's the goal. I mean, uh, it's also an interesting, um, what's the right word? Like, they're almost a contradiction coming out of the high school system, which is, you know, there's a lot of rote learning still happening and you need to present an essay that your, your teacher will appreciate and therefore mark well so that you can get into these institutions. And I think that is the difference, like teaching at a college or a university versus a private institution. You know, when you're teaching particularly at a university, these are high achieving individuals because they had to have a grade requirement to get into the program. And what it feels like that does is, you know, to get good grades, there's a personality type that often goes along with that. Um, so h- how do we how do we get those students who are high achieving, type A usually, <laughs> to be silly, to mm-hmm. be playful, to operate in this space of nebulous gray where there is no right wrong binary answers to things where i'm like no don't look at me for the answer go into yourself check in with your body your body has the answer how do we give them the space and trust of themselves Mm. to be able to do that because to me again let's link back to the or link forward to the career in your career that's what you will have to do Mm -hmm. So right from first year, let's start breathing and building your trust of yourself, trusting your intuition, trusting your instinct, trusting your body, because that's where all of that information will come from and being playful with it. Yeah, that's exactly what they're, they're on the trajectory to do, right? All that embodied learning will support play fearlessness you know boldness boldness creativity yes and like the reality that maybe all of them won't end up as actors but because we're all creatives Mm -hmm. they will end up using or reflecting upon or integrating the teachings of the four years or however many years they are in our programs I think at least one of the things I want us to start talking about in um, in my program where I work is just the idea that it's not only, we don't graduate only actors. <laughs> we graduate lawyers. Yeah. We graduate doctors. We do. We graduate journalists. We, do. we graduate humans. We do. That's who we graduate. We graduate humans who are in more connection with their humanity, ideally, when they leave our program. Yes. That is a service to our community and to our country. 100%. Absolutely. (laughs) And that's okay. I know that some students feel um, pressure when they meet with uh, other other instructors or faculty members or members of, of the professional community if they don't work as actors and they they didn't do it and i'm like meh (laughs) i'm just like i don't know i think anything you choose to do will be impacted by your deeper connection with creativity your deeper connection with yourself it allows you to be more of a human who wouldn't want a a lawyer or a politician or a doctor or an engineer or a, a teacher who isn't more of a human Absolutely. Who isn't connected to their humanity in a yes. deep, deep way. Who isn't, who is able, because like the act of acting is to connect out and to bring that in back into yourself, right? And to be responsive. Wow, isn't that amazing for anything you choose to do going forward? I agree. <laughs> who's to be able to connect out with the other human and bring that in and be responsive to that? I'm thinking... These are some good skills. Yeah, they are. They can change society. 100%. Skills. 
contribute to the positive good in the world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can I ask you, Lisa, um, yeah, what, what you have on the horizon? Um, I noticed when I was, again, doing a little research on the inter- <laughs> interwebs that yes. uh, you have a few projects coming up. Um, one do. is uh, with Nightwood Theatre, and yeah. it sounds really fascinating. And you're also writing, directing, and acting in a 20-minute interactive audio piece for children examining the hero's journey. Ooh, can't wait to hear about this. Through the lens of a child in a non-oppressive framework. So um, I'd love to hear what you have coming up and anything else you'd like to share, really. (laughs) Um, I have a few things coming up. one of which is Sugar Plum, which is going into a workshop written by Sadie Epstein Fine. Um, and it examines the Nutcracker from, uh, it's a Nutcracker from, for anyone who's been excluded from the ballet world, which is most of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. Um, with a special focus on queer and racialized voices um and it's gonna have so many it's it's in english but so many different ways of communicating in that piece which i'm really excited about lots of dance and movement and spoken text as well spoken language Mm. um chorus work it's it's a beautifully complicated Mm. piece which i'm really excited about um further i'm i'm directing and acting in and writing <laughs> this piece and you know it is it's it is about me being an elementary school teacher this one <laughs> i will say <laughs> and reflections on the fact that um when i got my current position i left elementary school teaching which meant that school no longer had an arts professional in their building um and recognizing that even many of the arts teachers who people who are designated to be arts teachers weren't professional artists so i was a bit um unique in my approach to teaching i taught drama dance and music how cool yeah it was awesome it was awesome so i did a lot of integrated arts uh projects with my students but this um, piece that I'm working on now um, just is a shout out to my colleagues who are teachers and in the classroom and now have to be the drama teacher too (laughs) oh my goodness Um, because what what I found was I have a high tolerance for chaos as an artist because I'm an artist. I have a high tolerance for chaos because mm-hmm. that's the creative process. The creative process is a bit chaotic. That's the reality. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, they don't train you for that in teacher's college. I would just like to say that openly. They do not train you for chaos. They actually train you for the opposite. Management. They want to manage and control it. Mm. Um, which, again, is the antithesis in my opinion, is kind of the antithesis of what you need to make like real art, not crafts, real art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's a bit messy. It has a very, there's a long time of mess. <laughs> yeah. As you comb your way through to get to a product. And so um, I wanted to build something for teachers to use in their classrooms their drama classrooms specifically. Um, And I have like built this whole lesson map, I would say. It's not even a lesson guide because you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do and do it in your own order. So it's a creative process for the teacher as well. Oh my gosh. But it's a 20 minute piece. And I also wanted the student to be the hero. (laughs) So I charted like the hero's journey and it's done as if like I, I am the voice of the child in the child's brain. (laughs) 
but they have to make all the decisions associated with it. So essentially, spoiler, it's about a lost cat in their house. Or in the place where they're living, actually. I don't explicitly say it's a house because I'm mm-hmm. like, not all of my students lived in houses. Mm-hmm. Some of them were in apartment buildings. Some of them were in, like, units. in how- like, So, and that's the non-oppressive framework. Mm. Is how do I give a sense of setting mm-hmm. without layering in a specific socioeconomic class mm-hmm. and without layering, layering in a specific culture? Mm-hmm. or or race racial identity because that's the reality of my students as well variety of socioeconomic classes variety of races variety of ethnicities a variety of religions so how can i speak to all of these students simultaneously be in their heads a little bit from a dramatic perspective so not everyone has a cat but <laughs> but pretending you have a cat and they have to save the cat mm. yeah love that yeah, and so they wander through a, a non-described space <laughs> because I realized anytime I go to describe space, I'm imposing, I'm imposing something, mm-hmm. and so how do I avoid doing that as much as possible? Um, and then they get to save the cat. How sweet! Yeah, they get to save the cat, and and Roxy, my cat, stars in it. Uh, <laughs> we get a couple meows. We do have adults in the house, uh, or one, at least we have one adult in the house of unspecified gender um, who snores mm. and, and becomes the obstacle. Just mm. <laughs> because can't wake, can't wake the adult because they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I also built it for my daughter who at the time was in the pandemic and uh, in at the time was in kindergarten senior kindergarten so she was my test subject that's pretty sweet yeah so i i would play it for her my the first draft that we've done i played for her and i was like okay we're on to something here that's pretty cool she would ask to do it again so i was like this is a good sign this is oh that is cool Really and then cool. building like the rubrics out for the for the teachers so that oops so even if they're not drama people per se it gives them an inclination of what to look for because the reality is we do have to assess which you know we could talk about for days because i have lots of feelings about assessment of the arts <laughs> but i look forward to those conversations yeah too. yes absolutely. yeah uh, so what are, what are you looking for when you're assessing? How can you also get some written communication marks out of this? How can you also get some literacy marks um, beyond beyond writing, but also oral communication, maybe some media marks as well? Can we roll that into social studies? Because it's how to build community, blah, 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 blah. Mm, how nice. <laughs> so great. Yeah. So that, that's been a fun, a fun little project to be doing and working on Very as well. Very cool. Yeah. Is there anything uh, you'd like to add to the podcast that I haven't, you know, thought to to yeah. ask? Is there anything you'd like to sort of share before we um, part? Yeah. Um, I would. Um. No, I would. I probably just echo that. You know, we're all learning, and a deep emphasis on all, including me. I think it's uh, an interesting thing and an easy thing when we're invited to speak and on a variety, I've been on a variety of panels at this, uh, at this point um, to come off as an expert. And I, and it's not that I haven't thought deeply about these things I have, but they're all fluid. (laughs) My cat, I'm so sorry. All of these things are all, uh, fluid and changing and I'm working on them too mm. I'm 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 also a human who is imperfect and still working on it these a lot of the things I say are aspirational they're a goal they're what I'm striving for they're what I long to see in mm-hmm. uh, in the industry and in myself I think that's part of our our way of being as artists yeah. is that we are, if we're in the work, we're constantly 
working on ourselves and working on our uh, on filling in gaps and yeah. and learning. Um, can I ask another question then? It just of course <laughs> popped into my head. Um, so you know, being an artist in the academy, um, as we both are, I wonder um, what's your perception of how you are an embodied, uh, spirit-oriented, um, multiple knowledges person. Do you find that in the overall academy it's been uh, received, or do you find that whether or not it's received, I'm going to be me, and I'm going to bring this whole <laughs> beautiful archive with me wherever I go, and by doing so, I will disrupt a bit of perhaps a positivist uh, sort of, what's the word, framework or um, inclination, I, I suppose, on on the institution. What, what do you think about that? And I ask this literally not for a friend, just for myself, because it's something that I, I, I am always thinking about, you know? Oh, I think for me, when I applied for the position, I told myself from the application <laughs> moment I decided I would apply that I'm going to be authentically and holistically me the whole time through the application process. <laughs> if they're not interested, that's a gift to know that in advance. Absolutely. Because when we take on these kind of roles and jobs, they are extremely long-term. Mm -hmm. You have the potential to be the rest of your career. Mm -hmm. So I need to know if this is actually what you want. <laughs> <laughs> and you should get to make an informed choice too. Is this what you want? And is your response to, to me what I want? Um, and that way, we can both make informed choices about whether or not to go forward together. So from the application time, I have tried, strived to be in the real of who Lisa Karen Cox is as much as possible. And that continues. And that's not for everybody. <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. But for me, the cost is greater if I delay sharing who I actually am. So I prefer to share who I am from the beginning. Um, it's a form of informed consent. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and I'm not as emotionally invested quite frankly, if I'm doing it from the beginning, A, I'm setting that um, that habit mm -hmm. of this is just who I am, but also I'm not as emotionally connected and invested in people. So if you're like, eh, not into it, it's easier for me to receive that than if like, you know, five years from now, now I'm going to start taking off my armor and showing you who I am and you may have a reaction to that. That's That's hard. That's hard. So I'd prefer to know early as early as possible good for you yeah i love that it's, it's a thing and then people learn to work with with you with actually you mm. <laughs> not the idea of you not the facade of you actually you and in some ways uh i've seen it whether in this institution and at my previous one as well it releases other people to be themselves too it's great because sometimes they've been hiding for a long time. You know, that that post-January, February grade five moment where you're trying to fit in, that lasts for the rest of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that lasts for the rest of our lives. And then someone comes in who is themselves and you go, oh, I, I can be me too. Mm -hmm. That faint of heartness might be a lack of courage like the French etymology, from the heart, right? And so yes. if, if you are embodying courage yeah. and being authentic, it sets I, a great 
you know, example for others to follow as well. Totally. Totally. And those have been the richest um, relationships that I think I've developed in all of my institutions and all of the work is when people are able to authentically be themselves as well with my authentic self. Again, that doesn't mean it's all like roses and butterflies and velvety smoothness. It just means we actually can have a deep relationship because we can actually authentically talk through things Mm -hmm. from a place of realness and find a path together forward. Thank you so much for sharing your brilliance um, <laughs> and your your imagination and your creativity and allowing us to kind of, you know, hear a bit about that process for you of being a creative artist and a creative teacher, a responsive human mm. being in the world. So thank you. This has been so inspiring. And what a beautiful first uh, opportunity for me to meet you. While yeah. we're recording. So thank you so While much for this. Just so, gra- so grateful. So thank you so much. You're welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank really you. appreciate it. Thank you. If you want to learn more about any of the resources we spoke about in this episode, please check out our show notes on voicingcreativity.com, where you can also email or send us a voice memo with your feedback at podcast at voicingcreativity.com. You can follow us at Voicing Podcast on Twitter, and you can tweet about the podcast by using the hashtag VoicingCreativityPodcast. You can also rate and review this show at Apple Podcasts. The Voicing Creativity Podcast was produced on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. The Voicing Creativity podcast is supported by the University of Winnipeg Research Office, the University of Winnipeg Human Research and Ethics Board, and the University of Winnipeg Faculty of Arts, and by research assistant Jordan Berkwin. A special thank you to Dave Peterson of Ross River Dana Territory. The podcast theme song is Beauty Is All by Ketza from the album Creative Center. You can download more of their work on freemusicarchive.org and from their website, ketsamusic.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out our other Season 1 episodes. Thank you for listening to the Voicing Creativity Podcast.